Well, good day and welcome back to the In The Know On The Go podcast. The podcast designed to get you across the things that matter in a way that, well, is just bloody easy to understand. This week, we're doing things slightly differently and each month, we'll be getting these two fellas into the seat. Tom Rookyard and Mick Corcoran will be hosting the Monthly Markets with Tom and Mick. Mick joins us from Camilleroy Country. Tom is on Wiradjuri and I'm sitting here on Wadarung. We pay respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Well, let's go and get our monthly market wrap. It's time to get the monthly markets from Tom and Mick. Morning, fellas. Thanks, all. Pleasure to have you with us. And Mickey Bull, what have we got for today? Rono, thank you very much, Tomo, and welcome everyone to our first segment. Um, to kick us off this week, really excitingly, we are joined by Tim McRae uh, at Options Bus. Uh, welcome, Tim. Just before we get underway, I mean, Tomo and I are very familiar with the work that you do, but to the guys that mightn't have come across your work, um, yeah, what's what's your role at Oxens Bus, and I, and I suppose what what's your career look like to date, and, and what do you do? So my role at Oxens Plus is chief economist. Um, you know, Oxens Plus is blessed with this amazing depth of data and um, user demographics and resources that um, has been collected for many years. Um, with every transaction, there's a numerous number of everything from the assessment side that the agents help with, through to the actual auction transactions. So. The Insights team's charged with really delivering tailored insights for firstly Auctions Plus users, but more importantly, the general market. We focus on particularly the tailored comments of making sure we we can price on breed, we can price on location, we can do mapping of where certain breeds are moving and coming from. So really it's a what we're hoping and what we've been trying to do is an evolution of the more general reporting service that has been around just as Auctions Plus is an evolution of the, and a different method of selling, I, I see the insights and the data and the, the commentary we provide as a, a natural evolution to what is a more customised producing segment. Cattle producers out there don't sell an EYCI. They sell an Angus steer between 280 and 330, or they sell a Wagyu PTIC. So that's where we're moving our reporting because that's the product that they sell on our website. And I suppose perfect segue into, you know, you report on what's happened, but you're also not scared of, you know, shying away from making, you know, assumptions or, or, or futuristic comments about the market. And I suppose this is what we'd like to talk about today. You recently published an article on Options Plus forecasting what the cattle market would look like for 2023. And there will be a link to that on the Humans of Agriculture website. Um, if you guys haven't read it yet, head to the link. Um but Tim, what does your prediction look like for the year? Look, um, I'm going to start this off by saying you didn't read the previous before that where I said a broken clock's right twice. Uh, yeah, well, dumb luck. I actually, the year before that, I put out there that the EYCI would be about, uh, I think it was 875 and it hit it on the spot just one day late. So having done these forecasts for the better part of 20 years, you, you take the chance to yell it loud and proud when you get one right. I mean, it's a bit like being at the racetrack. You don't tell them at the 19 you missed. But you sure as hell make sure you all see the winning ticket. Based from that, I actually think it's um you know it's been an amazing three years for the cattle industry, but that's based on grass and rain. So I think you know we're looking at an EYCI around seven fifty by December next year. Now, where we are right at the moment, that's not a long trip. Always very uh, cautious of looking what the cattle market does in January. I mean, you have got everything from short weeks to the big weaner sales to um, not everyone's back in action yet. Where it is now is is a 
interesting indicator, but I think we'll see, particularly if these Queensland rains continue, I think we'll see a bit of an improvement, you know, late summer, early autumn, which we traditionally see. I think we then see it edge away. You cannot stop the supply of cattle that are coming. Um, and a key point out of those forecasts was, I think for this year, the pressure will come onto the processing sector. If they are able to reliably and consistently process what will be an increasing supply, very well finished cattle, there is no shortage of grass out there. You know, I think that's going to be a strength of the market. And I mean, if you logically move through from that processing sector, you move to also we need export markets to be paying you know good prices for our product, which I think will be there. But you know, we're going to see more cattle coming on. You're based here in Orange, you know. There seems to be cattle everywhere. It's amazing when you go through the drought years that you can't find them anywhere. And then when you get into these wet years, they seem to be in every single roadside paddock. So I think we'll see the price sort of edge away to 750 by the end of the year. Um, you know, I think below 700 cents, we'd start to be looking at places running out of grass. I, I don't want to use the term forced selling. I think we're a long way from that yet. But a wise old head, and I say it often, often, you know, I said producers sell for two reasons. They've got no grass and they've got no cash. Um, I think recently it's been an income play, but at some stage in the next nine to 18 months, grass will start to feed back into it if the forecasts are anything to go by. So larger cattle herd, obviously that means higher turnoff. How can those meat processors handle those numbers to whether we see a what would I would describe as a good price or what we see as a price that's under pressure? To keep sort of going on that, so you're sort of giving you the end point um, of where you think the market will be and obviously where we are. What are the... What are the factors that, you know, your farmer standing in the paddock can uh, look out for across the year that's going to make that, you know, as you said, it's not a very far change that you're sort of predicting. So what are the factors they can look out for? Yeah, good question. I think one thing I haven't heard in the last few years is the comments around, gee, that's a good break. You know, it's just been wet. So I really think, you know, I'm looking around March, April, do we see that? And certainly we've had some, I know out here in, you know, Western New South Wales, has certainly been a bit of heat in a normal summer for at least four weeks. You know, I think, I'd be looking for when I look at where the market's going is those comments around, which I would say happen in a normal season. Gee, that's a good that's a good break. We've had the break. Away we go. If it's autumn, you know, we can go to the crops. Um, you know, traditional Anzac Day window and all that. I also, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of hay being cut everywhere from what I can see. Um, mostly because they can, um, as opposed to timing-wise. But I also, I think through... You know, winter, and I know I, I've done it here many times of commentary around how many how many trailers you see with round bales on the back. You know, I think that's a real commentary of what's going on in them. You know, what producers are doing. Are they really trying to supplement free through the winter? So the two things I'm looking in the next six months, and, and certainly I factor these into my purchases in a in a partnership I run with my brother, is is what is March, April looking like? And what have we got for, particularly in these colder areas, what have we got in store for August, September, August? September when it really gets tight. So, and I, you know, the other side of that, you know, it's a bigger cattle industry than just Western New South Wales, but watching these Queensland range really closely, I think if they continue to be heavy and come further south into the into the real sort of southern areas that combines with that cropping area, um, I think we see the Queensland supply of cattle get really tight and be tight for, you know, back to normal seasonal conditions. They don't turn off till the second half of the year and, and that should tighten supplies and probably prices I think into late autumn. So yeah, that, that March April, that traditional importance of that rainfall there hasn't been there the last two years. It's just been wet, whereas I think we're gonna really start to focus in on that again. Yeah, cool. And and you briefly touched on it in your article, but 
if we're looking past 2023, and this is just me making an assumption that we're into our next cycle for the cattle market, have we raced to the bottom or do you think there will be a steady decline you know, over the next couple of years? I know it's hard to factor in seasonality into that, um, but where do you think we set for this next period? I think the Australian cattle herd and the cycle in the last few cycles has bottomed out when the drought is at its worst, which is not a huge, hugely insightful statement. But, you know, when you run out of grass and they've got to go, they've got to go. So I think we're still looking at, gee, that doesn't happen until the second half of 24 in a widespread context if things return to normal. So, you know, from a pricing perspective, I probably think um, sitting here today that a low point would maybe in the first half of 2025, you know, which is still two years away from here. The big sleeper there is what does that US market do? If it is predicted to do and and support our, our beef exports and drive or underpin our prices for, for several years as they rebuild their herds, we could see a period in sort of late 24, 25 where turnoff is exceptionally high, but prices are still very good, which is unusual. Um, but, you know, that's what you get when you're an export-focused market. If, if You'd almost ask for that to happen. Um, you know, a combination of, gee, they've got to go, it's really driver, gee, thank God the US, China, whoever is purchasing all this all this product, it's it's moving through really, yeah, really well and supports the price. Again, the catch on that is: can the processing sector handle big numbers? They've had a tougher time than anyone in the last couple of years. Can they get over from killing six point five million head? Yeah, you know, in a big liquidation phase, we'll do nine million or nine million plus. Can they ramp up to handle that? It's a tough business, you know, but they've got time to ramp up. But that's what'll really be the bottleneck that determines whether it's a a liquidation that has good price period or a liquidation that just bottlenecks and you know forces prices maybe 10 to 15 percent lower where they would have been otherwise i think that's something you, you do talk about uh in the uh, not to give give away the paper because obviously get get a few eyeballs onto it but you talk about even if there's demand on one end supply on the other end there's that middle component of being able to actually physically do that um and that labor shortage you know is always going to have an impact if there's not there because because there is consistent talk that you know um processing plants aren't killing at the very highest rates are they yeah look out historically i think last year was our lowest uh rate in almost 30 years so that takes time to build um but you know if the processors know the cattle are there they know the cattle herd is growing what they probably don't know is what is their labor force like can they get back those workers that either they lost through a COVID period um they may not even be there. Can they attract people to work in the industry? And I feel I think they've got time. You know, fortunately with the way the season is, they've got time to to get that working. As opposed to you know, going into a really dry period where there's just going to be cattle up everywhere. Um, interesting to watch. You know, stuff the policies of what the government does and how they deal with you know immigration again and and all those areas. You know, the meat processing sector has always been very um, on the front foot about. You know, making sure they get the right workers and the right skill set. I don't see that changing, but you know, at the end of the day, you need tens of thousands of heads to of people to kill millions of head of cattle. So it's it's a big industry. Um, can they get those workers back? Can they get back up to what the numbers are? We're killing back in late 2018, 2019, still to be seen. But there's time to get there. This forecast was maybe a cattle or was a cattle forecast. You you didn't publish a sheep one. Can you sort of talk to why that is? 
the challenges of doing that? Yeah, the sheep's always interesting. And, you know, right from my time through MLA and, and at New South Wales DPI, the sheep industry just, the sheep, and it's got a lot to do with the biology, just moves quicker. Yeah, so, so you know, by the time the cattle industry's had the chance to, right, drought's broken, join on the ground, selling weight, the sheep and lamb industry has probably gone through three cycles. Yeah, so it rebuilds quicker. Um, biology again. So, but also, you know, it's so seasonally dependent. Um, I was having a few people in the office would constantly have a dig at me when they said, where are all the lambs? You know, late last few months of last year, where are all the lambs? Where are all the lambs? I said, six to eight weeks behind, six to eight weeks behind until one of them said, hang on, you said that six to eight weeks ago. So that disruption that's been there for that, that, you know, lamb industry has been pretty, pretty major. Yeah, we saw, I think, an 18% decline in the total numbers of sheep and lambs through Options Plus last year. And we don't expect to see them come through Options Plus. I mean, the, the time frame and the, the, just the, the biology of the different animals don't, doesn't see them reappear. They go straight to processes. So, and again, it's been plenty of feed. Um, probably the sheep guys did it a hell of a lot tougher through the winter. And then you walk into the shearing time and flies and everything else. So, it is harder to forecast. It's a faster moving industry from a biology point of view, which makes forecast harder to make. We probably do them. I probably do them almost monthly um, and release them within articles of, yes, rebuilding is continuing order. We've seen a real pullback on, you know, um, purchasing of breeding types. But you're also seeing an industry which has seen some pretty big demographic changes in the last, within the, within the flock, sorry, in the last five years. And you're almost at a point where you'd have to do a forecast for the merino wool side of the industry, which is the, still the core and still the basis of the flock. But you'd also then have to do one for the meat breeds and the you know, the buzzword of the Aussie whites and all that. They're very different parts of the industry within the sheep industry, which makes it hard to make those forecasts. Whereas within the cattle, whether it's Angus or Speckled Park or you know, out of the north, um, pretty consistent, pretty pretty good assumptions you can make right across the line which enables you to make sort of annual forecast if someone did put a, a gun to your head could you loosely sort of comment on what you think the sheep and lamb market will be like this year i think we've i think we are at the bottom we come back to this process inside of things but you know one thing i've seen in the last few years is don't underestimate the ability for the lamb process to knock over some pretty big numbers you know they really can get through a backlog the man inside of it is always such a small portion of the global protein market, but lamb always seems to handle itself pretty well. It's a it's a niche product that there's strong demand for. Uh, now to s- skip ahead a little bit, you've given us your uh, your your rough figure of where the this young cattle indicator will be. Mick's actually going to pony up and buy a bottle of rum or a bottle of wine, um, and we're going to have to be the closest to the pin. So yeah, can you give us an exact figure for? Um, I think we said the middle of December or middle week of uh, December for the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator or something. I'll go for 7.44. I'll tell you a quick one. We did this one year at MLA probably in about 2014. We had about 60 people all put their bids in and one smart young man went round, took the average and it was spot on. And, and look, maybe not as much focused on in the sheep industry, but if you had to put your mark on where the trade lamb indicator would be? If yeah, you, I think... End of the year, I wouldn't. I I think we'll see trades and heavies above eight hundred. You know, I, I really think we see that market kicking the gear again in the second half of twenty three. Um, and I reckon mutton 
given there will be a bigger bigger flock and we'll start to see some of those rebuilding numbers which would have been well they'll be three or four years old by by then um you know i think we'll start to see some of the aging aging flocks start to come in and still some pressure on the mutton so i reckon it might be up around four four twenty five and the if you had to pick a figure four sixteen for mutton four sixteen for mutton yep yep heavies will go heavy heavy lands will go eight eighteen tradies eight oh eight you don't sound so confident all this time. <laughs> Listen, you got, I was told you've got to sell it. To just a bit of fun, I was going to ask you, uh, can you give us what breed of ram or bull uh, you think you are and why? I'm a guy who's pretty resistant to change. I'm old school. Um, so I'm certainly not going to be one of these new, very expensive breeds. Um <laughs> Yeah, I reckon the best, you know, if I could take everything back to the late 90s, that's when everything was at its best. So I'm going to go with a, um, I think it's a Kianina. They're a very old Italian breed. I do like my uh, pizzas. They're a, they're a, they're one of the larger, taller bulls. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going for these trendy things. I'm going old school. I'm an old breed. Gee, that is good. Rightio, I think that just brings us to a close. Thank you very much, Tim, for joining on the podcast today. Um, for Tim's article that we referenced today, you can head to the, Humans of Agriculture website, um, but for the re- rest of your body of work and for upcoming pieces, Tim, where can guys find your information? Yeah, look, all the market insights on the website, um, that's sent out. I think we, we send it out in emails each week. I'm certainly, I mean, I just describe myself as a bit of a Luddite and don't like change, so don't expect to see many posts from me on social media, but we've certainly got the team there and all our, yeah, I'm about to go and look at the, the, the prices for the week and write that comment up. So, um, we do the do the customised reporting. Um, the website's got a lot of it. We also do a lot of customised stuff directly to people who are looking for reporting and, and comparisons on what they produce, not a general market pricing. So um, go to the website. As everyone says, just go to the website. Go to the website. Thank you very much. Anything else from you, Tom? Uh, nothing from me. Very good. Much appreciated, Tim. Not Thanks. a problem, guys. You both got heads for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> If you're enjoying getting in the know while you're on the go, we'd absolutely love to hear from you in terms of what are the topics, things that you want us to dive into and get you across in a quick, short, sharp way, but also in a way that's easy to understand. Reach out to us at hello at humansofagriculture.com. Reach out to us on any social media with any questions, ideas, things you'd like us to cover and we'll give it a crack. Look after yourselves and we'll see you next week.